Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park We are up. Thanks for being here, Fitz. How's it going? I am having a spectacular day, Chris. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Yeah, yeah. like I said before we started going here, I've read about your background. I'm one of these uh, health people, I guess you could say health and fitness. I've always loved it. It's been part of my lifestyle ever since. Basically, I feel like coming out the womb. So uh, I feel like we, you and I would have had a great conversation just kind of going based on that and just the other things that the audience will learn about as we... Uh, yeah talk tonight but um before we go too far i'll give you the uh why don't you give the audience a little gist a little background just so they kind of know who you are and then we'll take it from there for sure so i am noisy i am bossy and uh, i use those skills to help people live better and longer by making fitness understandable attainable and fun i'm not someone who works in a gym setting i you know i help people do better and be better through mass media. All the work I do is a uh, big picture. So TV, radio, books, magazines, online presence. I do a lot of corporate keynote speaking. I'm a professional race announcer. And so I host some of the largest, most iconic running events on earth, dozens every year. Nice. And uh, I make happy noise for people. It's that's That's probably the most fun thing I do. And then I am an author, and um, most excitingly right now is my cancer comeback series, where I am helping cancer patients go from sick to strong. Cool. Yeah, there's a bunch of things in there I want to talk about. So the first thing, I know you are read that you're a race announcer, and so are we talking about like Spartan races, Boston Marathon announcers? Like, what is- uh, <laughs> so my marquee events are the Los Angeles Marathon, Big Sur Marathon, Buffalo Marathon, Detroit Free Press. I mean dozens i run boston i have not announced it oh. i uh adore spartan races and tough mutters and savage i do not announce for them although i have announced uh obstacle course races my real forte or my sweet spots are major marathons and so you will find me at a lot of big time marathons and and those marathon weekends have shorter distances so 26.2 and then a half and a 5k 10k Kids races, dogs, babies, the whole gamut. Um, and I and I host everything. If I if I show up, I make sure I take care of 100% of our athletes from the start to the finish. How'd you get involved in announcing for that? I mean, is that something you always loved? And um, so I'm a sport performance expert, and I was uh, virtually run Disney's fitness expert. So whenever they had a race, they would invite me in to come speak at their expo on strength training for runners and pain prevention and management, a whole bunch of uh, strength and conditioning slash fitness topics and their race announcer. So they had the, they have my favorite race announcer on earth. His name is Rudy Novotny. He's got a big booming voice and he's got charisma for days and people love him and he makes the experience very fun And so I was a big fan of his. And he also was in charge of announcing speakers at the expo. And uh, every time I spoke, he was very complimentary. And then one time he just said, you know what? I need a co-announcer for the OC Marathon in California in May. Are you interested? Which is Orange County. And I said, "Uh, well, sure. I've never done it before, but I'd love to give it a try. And so he connected me with the race director who looked at my resume. We had a brief conversation. He hired me. I showed up. Rudy was right. It fit like a glove. It was one of the most fun things I've ever done. 
And uh, about an hour after yelling go on marathon morning, the race came up, uh, the race director came over and said, can you come back next year? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> from what I hear, that was the fastest rehire. And uh, things have spun out of control in the most incredible way with race announcing. I mean, I literally get to be the ringleader of the fun for sometimes 30 plus thousand people. It's yeah. awesome. So good. And I'm obsessed with these people. I just love every last one of them. I, I respect the speedsters. I worship the back of the pack. It's, it's, it's just delightful from start to finish. Yeah. It sounds badass. And I've never been, I've never run her until probably six months ago. And I've, you know, I kind of believe in doing hard things and challenging yourself. And I've always been one of these CrossFit bros for like the last 10 years or so. Right. Love. And so I wanted to run a half marathon. I had the opportunity to do one and I decided to, it was a three person triathlon. I want to do the half marathon part. Okay. I knew it would challenge me. I knew I was not a runner, but I knew I it would keep me. What's the word am I looking for? Stimulated. Keep me going. Yeah. Keep, keep me keep keep things exciting for me. And just the small community that I did it right there. It was so much fun. And like the people who were in there, just I mean, I couldn't imagine what it's like doing like a like you said the OC marathon or the Los Angeles. Just so good. Many people were there, and the excitement, and just the community in general. I guess. Well, you know, it's funny. I mean, as a fitness expert, my whole career, I've had to spend, you know, an infinite amount of energy twisting people's arms saying, please exercise. Exercise is good for you. Exercise, exercise. But on race day, an organization, you know, LA Marathon, I go, they say, here's 27,000 people that think exercising is a great idea. Make sure they know what to do, where to go, and make sure they have a hell of a good time doing it. And uh, it's the, it's the best of humanity. You know, these people are showing up to a, do something great for their health, which is what we wish everybody could do, would do. Right. Right. And then they're working to support their communities and great causes. And then on race day, there's no race. There's no religion. There's none of that. It's just everybody, the running community, which includes walkers, strictly walkers. Everybody's so nice to each other. It's, Mm -hmm. it's just a perfect experience with perfect people. I don't even believe in perfect, but I mean, how fortunate am I? Am I, these people are so good and they're out there and it's, they're working so hard and they're overcoming so much and they're so gritty by the time they get to the finish line, either they're bursting with joy or they're melting down with tears because they've done something. So, you know, phenomenal for whatever purpose they were after. It's just, it's a blessing. It's an absolute blessing. Yeah, it's a good camaraderie just because even though if you're one of these guys who was a fire breather trying to, you know, PR your marathon time, but mm-hmm. you have a ton of people out there who are walking to the aspect, yeah. I mean, but you're all in it together in some fashion, right? And then it's like respectful that way that who cares if this is your first time running, if whatever is your first day, but this is, hey, we're doing this together. It's me and you. Yeah, I might go sprint a little bit farther or faster than you, but hey, at the end of the Hey, stop. At the end of the day, I'll give you mm-hmm. a stop and it's all good. And like that, just having that, knowing that you're not being outcasted, I guess, and you're being yeah. into the community, no matter what your fitness level is, like it just takes a whole stress off your shoulders, I feel like. I think so. And the further back you are, the more embraced you are by everybody else. So there's the elites, right? The people that come in from Kenya right. or wherever, their college, and they come and you know, those are the people who start off at the front. They don't engage much with <laughs> with most of our athletes For sure. and they blow through the course. And then some of them won't even put their hands up at the finish. They look at their watch, they grab their check and they get out of here. Good for them. I admire their athleticism. But then there's the rest of us, you know, and it's just, I don't know. It's, I think it just gets better and better. And these speedsters will tell you it's way harder to be a seven hour marathoner than it is a three hour marathoner. You know, just that time on your feet and the amount of mental fortitude it takes from go to point A, point B, and just be out there for so long is so demanding. So, yeah, there's, it's infinite respect in both directions. Mm. So, have you been a runner, or is this something yeah. you're, you're, you've like all your life, or what? Uh, you know what? Running has always been something I've done for exercise. So, I was a soccer player and I yes. cheered and I did all sorts of sports, and you always have to run, right? Sure. Um, when I was in high school and I wanted to try and lose some weight, I would go running. And so running has always been this really uh, quality form of exercise requires little to no equipment. Like, what do I need? I need sh- good shoes and a sports bra. And uh, yeah, so I'm <laughs> I can say I'm a lot slower than I look. People look at my lean, wiry body and they're like, she's so fast. I like, know I'm 
I'm a big deal on the microphone. I'm not a big deal <laughs> on the course. I go like everybody else. I just plug along, but I've done every distance from tiny distances up to marathons. And you know, really what I enjoy uh, participating in the most is obstacle course races. I love mud. I love dirt. I love just, yeah. I laugh so much during those races and mm -hmm. it sounds like you, you do them as well. Yeah. So I did my first trifecta for Spartan this year too. And like, as I did my half marathon, I was like kind of looking for, wait, what's next? What's next? And then I had some friends at my gym who do the Spartan races and they're like, Hey, go do this one next. Since you already done this. I was like, yeah, sure. For sure. Why not? And yeah, I've done a tough mutter, but well, maybe five oh. years ago, but it was pretty fun. Go, go ahead. I think tough mutter is the funnest. That's my but, favorite uh, brand. I, it's just, I, I think it's, you know, people walk between obstacle course sure. obstacles and then, you know, you need partners to get through many of the obstacles. And of yes. course, being a smaller woman out there, people are just dragging me. If I fall in a mud thing, there's three people, they just fling me out of yeah. <laughs> fling me out of the mud pit like a rag doll. So I think they're very, very fun. I did a Spartan Montana this year and Spartan Pocono. So I've been or Tough Mudder Pocono. So I've definitely, I've been getting on a plane to go play now. Nice. I yeah. love it. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, those were new to me and um, it was something different, like I said, and it was fun. You know, you got to do the three mile one. I think there's a six mile and then the, yeah. the beast, which is the 13. And yeah, you get little, you know, little obstacles in between and you just run and then you can just sit there and ch chat and, you know, just chat yeah. up with one of your friends while you're sitting there waiting to go on whatever's next. Yeah. And like we were talking about camaraderie and stuff, people were in there just like you said, helping you out like hey you need help getting over this wall i'll give you a boost yeah. and like it's like oh this is just for fun it's not i mean i'm sure there are people who are out there like you just said like give me my check or whatever and yeah and, take oh, it very seriously yeah. and i get that i mean if that's your thing that's your thing i'm not knocking that but and, you know, and i think for our listeners who have never done one of these obstacle course races know that if you fail on one of the obstacles you can't lift the thing or flip the tire or whatever it is hang and do the monkey bars you just pass it by. They have a suggested burpee corner. Um, but I can tell you that I have completely ignored those burpee corners yeah. on many occasions. <laughs> like if I fall or whatever, I just keep going. I'm, you know, some days I'll do the burpee. Sometimes sometimes I just think, ah, screw it, I don't want to. And you don't have to. You can walk yeah. the whole way yeah. and uh you can still have a great time. And there's all sorts of different body types out there and fitness levels. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, they're judges, quote unquote. I don't really think are out there to humiliate you and just yeah. yeah make sure that you actually get them not the ones I've, well, I've done anyway it could be some but yeah they're out there not to belittle you by any means there's nothing no, no. Just, hey, you're out here trying get after it man keep going so yeah but yeah i've done that i've done the savage race and the tough mudder and the spartans and they're all good times i mean yes no matter however you want to tackle it i've just only tackled them just to go and enjoy myself and yeah maybe down the road maybe try to do the elite division i don't know oh, wow okay we'll see i don't know but it was just something new and so why not? You know, why not try new things? Like we said earlier, try new things. And absolutely. Peter Tia, he's a doctor and he always, I heard him on a podcast maybe a couple of years ago. And ever since then, it was like, you know, don't go out there and just run a marathon if you've never ran anything in your life, but, you know, challenge yourself a little bit every day. And he says, that's the key to longevity. And ever since I've heard that, I was like, cool, you know, like, you know, and I'm all, you know, these little battles every day, you know, like, Hey, um, so do, do some, something hard. So I know we're going to get into this soon, but I'm going to include the obstacle course race because I think it's relevant now. So in 2019, I was diagnosed with cancer and I did 15 months of chemo and I had some surgery and a whole bunch of radiation within that 15 months. But 15 months of chemo was a very long time. It was spent a very long, long time being very sick. But towards the end of my chemo, I started coming out of the fog and making efforts to um, walk further and swim and so forth. And so I finished chemo on May 11th, 2020. And thank God for Florida, Florida being the freedom state, because on June 11th, Spartan came to Jacksonville and they, where the whole world was shut down, Spartan's like, nope, we're going to let people play outside and have athletic fun in the sun. And so I had just, I went in and I asked my surgeon, I said, get my port out because I want to do a Spartan race. And he looked at me and he said, okay, <laughs> you just put tape over it. So I got this port out and put this big tape over and it had rained wildly that week. And those trails were flooded. I was in waist deep water for probably a mile and a half. I only did the 5k. Nice. Um, but for me, that was a very big deal at the time. And 
you know, and I, I just laughed so hard the whole way. It was such a, a reward to be out being adventurous again and living as opposed to just trying to survive. And uh, man, I don't, I think maybe I was able to do about 20% of the obstacles successfully, but I, I, and I clearly was the slowest person on the whole course, the whole day. I'm positive of it, but I had more fun than everybody else. I was so freaking proud. And so if little old olive oil, like cancer, uh, recent cancer patient can do a Spartan or a Tough Mudder than y'all tend to. Mm. So it was breast cancer, correct? Correct. And leading up to this, I mean, was there, did you just go to the doctor one day and you found something or did you kind of have signs going on? I mean, let's get the spectrum so everyone kind of knows. Yeah, good question. So I was having annual mammograms just because I'm neurotic about all the annual exams and whoever you are, go get them, go get your skin checked and your eyes and your prostate and whatever you get, whatever you're supposed to get checked. But in December of 2018, I had a, I went in for a mammogram. It was sparkling clean. There was nothing there, nothing. Seven weeks later, I got out of a shower at a race weekend and I rubbed my under boob and I found a lump. I knew exactly what it was. I called the doctor right away. They said, come in. And I said, well, Matt, I'm, right, I'm running a race, so I can come in Monday. Um, but within a week or so, I was told that not only did I have a size E tumor in that left breast, but it already spread to the lymph nodes. And so mm. seven weeks, if I had waited for my next mammogram, I'd be dead. This thing was spreading through me like a wildfire. It was very, very aggressive. So I'm very grateful. I rubbed my under boob and I found that lump and uh, it it was scary. But within a couple of weeks, my doctor was able to assure me he was going to cure me. He just said, it's going to take a little while. And it did. So you found the lump and then you went and raced anyway. I mean, were you worried? I mean, what was your mindset <laughs> like? You know what? I'm really good at uh, not stressing over milk that hasn't spilled yet. And so if there's potential bad news, I won't. Right. I won't fret over it because, you know, if you tell me it's bad news and okay, maybe I'll get upset, but yeah, I didn't tell anyone. I just, I told the doctors, those are the only people that needed to know. And then I was there to have a good time and run a race. And I wasn't going to let potential cancer ruin my weekend. What if they had said, ah, this is just a calcification or a whatever, then I would have wasted my weekend being whiny and emotional. And so I waited until they said, yeah, this looks like a scary tumor and it looks like it's spread to your lymph nodes to start crying. Have you always been that way? Not to, uh, what you, how'd you put it? Like not cry over spilt milk or what? I can't remember how you put it, but just, or did you have to learn that through life? Cause I have tons of people in my life that I know who, if there's a chance of being a problem, all, all of a sudden they, uh, create their own, but create yes. their demons or create their own problems in their head. Yeah. And, and then it comes out to, you know, kind of what you were just saying, just comes out to be like, it really wasn't that bad. We're good here. Like what I want. Yeah. So I was born with a naturally sunny disposition. I choose right. joy. I'm a joy addict. And uh, that's really where I'd rather be at all times. And that's really where I am most of the times. But I do think you learn there's people who role model really good behavior and people who role model really bad behavior. And when I see people just wasting days with worry that you cannot, it just doesn't benefit you fretting. There is no benefit. It's, there's certain things that eat you alive. I get it. There's big deal stuff. And cancer certainly was a big eat me alive type stressor for a while. Uh, but yeah, there's no reason to worry doesn't help. So yeah, I definitely learned it. I, I, I've made decisions. I have the natural instinct. But uh, I, I'm not going to give up my joyful days if necessary, if I can help it. That's smart. I love hearing that just because like I told you, there's so many people who I know that just instantly is almost, it's always gloom and doom, no matter what it is, you know? And it's just like, damn, bro, it, <laughs> like you didn't hurt anything yet, man. Or just like, we don't even know what it's going to be like tomorrow. You did easy, man. And I think it's, it's so easy to focus on a negative and look at it like rather than positive, right? What is that quote or whatever? It's like when you, it's always easy to remember everything negative in your life. But when you try to think about anything that's good happened, the negative outweighs the positive or something like that. So I have, so the three books I have out, the first one's a memoir. It's called My Noisy Cancer Comeback. And that's just the tale of uh, when cancer collided with 30 something race weekends worth of travel. I never missed a minute of work. I never 
missed out on those planes. I never wore a mask. I never hid. I just, I kept going. But, you know, before cancer, my mantra used to be, well, it's not cancer. And so whether I was in a car accident or someone lost a job or whatever, I say, well, it's not cancer, right? Um, and in fact, I'm that annoying person that when I'm in a traffic cause a jam for the rest of us, right? There's someone who's having a real freaking bad day up there. <laughs> Why am I going to be whiny about being delayed? And so uh, that was, it's not cancer. And then for me, all of a sudden it was, and I thought, oh God, well, is this my time to get upset now? Again, I'm human. I definitely shed a lot of tears over the sure. stress and suffering from cancer. However, what fairly quickly happened is once my doctor assured me I was not dying anytime soon, um, I, I just rationalized. I said, okay, well, I'm not a kid with cancer. I mean, we all see that. These little three-year-olds and the, the commercials are on TV and you're thinking, oh my gosh, can you imagine? And so my new mantra became, well, I'm not a kid with cancer and it's not my kid with cancer. So I'm going to put on my big girl panties and get through it. And I did. And so, you know, my refrigerator literally just broke tonight. And uh, what did I say? I said, it's not cancer, you know, so we make choices. Yeah. So finding out that, so the audience goes, finding out you have cancer and you're going into it after the race. How long is it when you start chemotherapy? And I know, I think you said you went through 15 months of it. I did. Yeah. And so, and I think if I read correctly, I mean, you lost your hair too. I did. just, I mean, what was that experience life? I mean, you know, being yourself and being athletic <laughs> and, you know, running and, you know, doing all these badass things. And all of a sudden, you know, I know we're not crying over spilled milk here, but I mean, right. you know, for me, it's got to be like, a. I would think. I'm, it was a very big deal. Yes. Yeah. It was a very big deal. It was very traumatizing. Uh, so I think I was diagnosed like officially, they said February 28th. So I had, I found it on like the 21st. And I was diagnosed on like 28th. And then I think I started chemo March 10th. So I had maybe two and a half weeks between lump and chemo. And uh, you know what? It was was scary because with the first chemo, you're fearing the unknown. Of course. And not everybody responds the same. I have... They gave me a particularly miserable concoction of drugs. In fact, my doctor said it's the most toxic combination of chemo drugs to give anyone. Damn. Uh, four different drugs, and they give it to you one after another. And so I was hoping to have to respond like some of my friends, just being tired and mousy. Uh, so I got chemo on Monday. Tuesday, I felt kind of tired, but I was okay. Wednesday, I felt kind of mousy, but I was okay. Thursday, stuff hit the fan. And from Thursday forward, every day looked like a violent stomach bug or food mm. poisoning. If you can imagine, I just, I was exploding. It was, I was so sick. I had to do IV fluids every weekday for five months. So it was uh, pretty intense. Losing my hair was very stressful and sad. And I had waist length, long hair my whole life. And it didn't define me on occasion. Someone would be like, oh, your hair is your trademark. And I thought, no, my noise, my bossiness, my knowledge, that's my trademark. But I did love my hair and uh, much of it fell out on the finish line stage at the Los Angeles Marathon. It just was coming out and blowing all over. It was this long blonde hair everywhere on my black stage. It looked like like the stage had hair. It was like it was a rug. uh, And it was very dramatic and traumatic. I did a lot of crying mixed with laughing and smiling. I didn't want any of my runners to know what was going on, but I wore sunglasses and I just coped with it. As I flew home, I have a daughter and she had said, please don't shave your head without me. So while I was in Los Angeles, boy, on that finish line stage, I was thinking, oh my gosh, if I could just get a barber to come out here and shave my head, I'd let him do it right there. But I couldn't because I promised her. And then I got on the plane and that Delta airplane was covered with hair all around my seat, which was chaos. And uh, then as soon as I got home, I had already asked my hairstylist. She came over to my house. And 20 minutes after I walked through the door from my flight home from California, she shaved my head in my kitchen. And I did some crying. Mm-hmm. And I covered my eyes like a chicken. And at some point, my son, who was 13 at the time, he said, oh, mommy, you look cute bald. And I thought. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. So I didn't feel really cute, but that helped. That helped. Of course it does. Yeah. I mean, I mean, this is no way in related 
to you, I mean, you know, I'll start losing my hair just from male pattern baldness. Yeah. Well, after college, and it was I never had any like luscious locks of hair like you were talking about, but it was just like, wow, you know, I'm 24 and I'm losing my hair, and it made me feel weird. But it really yes. wasn't like we were just been saying. It really wasn't a big deal. It was just it just part of how it was. It just runs in my family. It's just how it goes. Wow. So, you know what? I do have a um, a soft spot for people with alopecia. Yes. Right. And um, male pattern baldness. And, uh, you know, it's interesting before. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. I lost my hair, I actually went wig shopping. I thought maybe I'll wear a wig. I'll go try some on. I thought it would be a fun way to get my kids involved and try to make it a fun day. Mm-hmm. And when I tried them on, um, A, I thought they looked weird. I thought they felt weird, but they made me sad. And I just thought, you know what? I'm not going to make myself any sadder than I am. And men don't hide their bald heads. Men, like, I think it's super hot, super manly, a bald head or a crew cut. I'm, I like a tight <laughs> hairdo, if any. And so then I just thought, well, screw it. I'm not going to hide my bald head either. If I'm going to be bald, so be it. Now, I I definitely thought it was um, alarming how cold my head got or, you know, when the air condition hits your head, yes. you that almighty, you know, I was constantly ducking and hiding from fans and uh, AC units. But yeah, because of you, you look great bald. I thought, well, I, maybe I could look okay bald too. And I'm not sure if I did, but I did my best. Yeah, I'm sure that's all it matters. You do your best, but and I don't guess my uncle would mind this, but he was just, he's in his early seventies and he was just diagnosed with alopecia and which was weird. I thought that it happened so late in life and that, and he's dealing with it. Great. I mean, you know, he's just kind of like, yeah, whatever, you know, just it's life, you know, I'm old anyway. It's just hair, no big deal. But, um, and I don't even know if that's hereditary in our family, but was his breast cancer? Was that something that was, goes on with your family or, I mean, yeah, it was not. I don't have any genetic predisposition. Wow. Um, I have, you know, there's someone in my family, but the doctor says, no, that person's not relevant to your case. I'm I'm a fluke, but breast cancer is one in every eight women in North America. Yeah. And I, I'm not sure what's going on. They believe it could be nutritional, environmental, and, and perhaps one day they'll have an answer for it. But one in eight, that's rampant. That's a real exactly. flipping problem. Now, fortunately, um, so many people got sick of losing their mothers and their wives and their sisters and their daughters that this is one of the most high profile, high funded cancers on earth. And people got mad and they kind of fixed the problem. So 94% of all breast cancer cases are curable, which is are really good odds. Um, the only problem is, is, you know, when you're dealing with one in eight women, that 6% is still far too much. Uh, but, but definitely I, I have a lot of people in the past to thank for getting angry and funding research or I might not be here. Yeah. It's so odd that, you know, one in eight, that kind of didn't know it was that. What is the word am I looking for? That rampant yeah there you go that was what you said yeah but uh and like you said environmentally or even nutritionally just because with pod and like with you with yourself i mean it seems like you've had a healthy lifestyle all of your life but i would never even think that okay well it's whatever you're eating or putting in your body i mean it just sounds like you're like you just said it was a fluke you were like you said that and it's just bonkers to me right yeah that you know and that people who do everything right in their lives as far as you know they don't smoke they don't drink they eat you know what works for them apparently and that they have a healthy lifestyle then all of a sudden something like this happens but then there's others out there who will smoke and eat 
I don't know, bacon sandwiches every day and whatever. And then they, you know, yeah. until 98, never had a problem their whole life that it always just drives me kind of not just kind of mental just because it's just like, man, you know, cause I'm one of those people who try to do everything right. And I want to, I have a goal to live to be a centurion and it just, and that stuff like this is always just makes it sits in the back of your head just because, you know, even though you are doing everything right, just something yeah. just like that, this might come out of nowhere. Yeah. You know what? I mean, I don't think anybody gets out of this life unscathed, right? You're going to get hit by lightning. You're going to get my, I was just interviewing an intern who told me he got bit by a shark. That's what was like his fun fact. And I thought, okay, so people, everyone's going to get something. Uh, we have to do our best to prevent that, right? We look both ways. We wear our seatbelt. We wear the helmets sure. and hopefully you do all the things you can with health. You watch what you put in your mouth. So my new book is called your healthy cancer comeback. Um, there's a section there called food that helps versus food that hurts. And really that's how you have to shop and just know that the things you're putting in your mouth, either they're going to benefit you or they're going to do harm. And it doesn't mean you have to be perfect, but, uh, it really should be food for thought when you go, when you consume stuff is, am, am I hurting? It's, it's different than just being overweight. Yes. And, and mind you, overweight will kill you eventually as well. Yes. Um, slightly overweight will just make you uncomfortable with yourself. But uh, but yeah, you you can save your own life. And and, you know, there's a lot of research that shows red meats and processed meats, direct links to digestive cancers, alcohol consumption damages your cells, makes you mo more prone to. Mm -hmm. cells going rogue and uh, leading to cancer. So we, we do have some, some control. And uh, I, I think people should just execute that control wherever they can. And I know you have your master's in fitness and exercise. And, yeah. and I guess I kind of already know the answer to this, but was part of your motivation for writing the books to help educate those who are not as educated in nutrition and living healthy lifestyles and how, you know, how to better themselves for the better, you know? Absolutely. So, you know, the memoir was inspired by all the funny, wacky stuff, believe it or not, cancer can be hilarious. And then, and then we talked a lot about mental fortitude and my noisy cancer comeback. These next two books were specifically spawned from me hitting rock bottom. And I had done, even during chemo I and all of my treatments, I continued to exercise as much as I could. It just, I was experiencing such aggressive treatment that my body responded because it's human and I withered away. And I remember I had lost 11% uh, of my weight and 80% of my strength. I couldn't open water bottles anymore. I struggled to open some car doors. I really was, you know, having a rough time. and as I looked in the mirror and thought, holy cow, look at what you've become. I knew exactly how to rebuild my body. You know, within that, you know, disturbing sight of myself, I thought, well, okay, I'm going to get it back. And this is exactly how. And then I had an equally horrible feeling for my peers, for the cancer patients and cancer survivors that were also hitting rock bottom, but had no clue how to dig their way out of that hole. Yeah. You know, how do you rebuild from nothing? Some, some people have so many parts amputated, so many surgeries, there's so much sickness, there's feeding tubes, there's infections, there's an endless amount of crap because of cancer and, and you survive. Okay, well then what next? And so because of that, I thought, well, I have to help them. <laughs> and so I put together my master's in exercise and sports sciences and my decades worth of experience and my cancer street cred. And I created these products to help the next um, wave of cancer patients and survivors. And so um, the new releases are your healthy comeback, cancer comeback, sick to strong. That's the manual. It's a blueprint. It's everything. It's nutrition. It's nice. exercise filled with hundreds of exercise photos and instructions for exercising Regular exercises, standing, exercising in a chair. If you can't sit, here's things you can do in bed. Here's things, stretches to do in the shower, balance training, you know, exercises to do when you're trapped in an exam room because you get trapped in all sorts of exam rooms when you're going through cancer care. And then alongside that book is the Healthy Cancer Comeback Journal, which is a place to input all of your, you know, your cancer details and your fears and your faith and scoop about your friends and all the kindness you received and who's driving you up the wall. And then 
the funny stuff. Cause again, I really, <laughs> I think no matter what's going on in your life, you should look at the bright side and definitely the funny side. And you know, what have you nicknamed your port? What have you nicknamed your tumor? What celebrities do you look like bald? So there's a whole bunch of prompts to help people, you know, have that cathartic writing experience and then hopefully have some laughs. And then the last half of the book is daily fitness logs and tracking your progress. That's awesome. Yeah. Was your um was your rock bottom moment? Was that what you said when you were having trouble lifting car doors and open up water bottles? You know what? It actually was really profound when I went into the gym and I was so excited to go exercise back in the gym. And I, again, I had been doing something the whole way as much as I could, right. but I had finished with surgery and I was like, okay, I'm going to go back in and exercise. And I took my bald head back into the gym and I sat down on a machine and I had set the pin for wherever I was pre-cancer. And I tried to push, I wouldn't budge. Oh, I lowered the pin and I lowered it again. And what happens is I had to lower it 80%. I lost 80% of my strength. Oh, and for a girl who's obsessed with muscles, which I am, I mean, I don't want big bodybuilder muscles, but I just love muscles. I, I was really taken aback. I was weak. And, and to put a number on it was really uh, alarming. That was my aha moment. Yeah. Well, what's life like now? I mean, I mean, do you, I mean, I know obviously you have a great demeanor about yourself and I know you're helping people out there, but I mean, is it still, I mean, you're still improving every day. I mean, does it still sit in the back of your head? Like, you know, I might get out of the shower one day and feel in my under boob again. It might come back. I mean, what do you, what, what's it like? So I am hundred and percent. I might be 150%. I've accomplished a lot since finishing treatment uh, about a year or so after finishing chemo, I ran the Boston marathon, which was pretty awesome. I've done a bunch of Spartans and physically I'm great. I'm dinged up a little bit, right? So there's plenty of scars and um, I'm working through those things. Radiation apparently leaves you sore for a long time. So I still feel like someone hit me in the rib cage with a bat. It doesn't limit me. I just feel it. And uh, I actually just made some wonderful progress. Last week was the first time since before my surgery that I was able to do push-ups without pain. Nice. And I can't tell you how happy I was when I got down on the ground. I thought, oh, it doesn't hurt anymore. And so it's, I mean, it's quite a few years out and I'm still making progress, but overall I'm fantastic. And as far as mentally, I don't think about it at all. Good. I don't worry. It's coming back. And I feel like I'm done. I've checked that box. I am moving on. I'm leaving cancer in my dust. And I, I hope, I hope I never have to face it again. If I do, then I'll figure that out at that point. But I think I'm good. Do you know who uh, Dr. Lane Norton is by chance? I do not. He's a Tampa Bay guy, but um, he's one of these guys that will uh, go down and read case studies and, you know, kind of talk about if this case study was talking about nutrition or fitness or whatever, like what they, you know, kind of did, but what they maybe should have done. And like, you know, okay. they are saying that you should never drink Diet Coke, but he's just like, well, they, you know, this is how they tested it, which is probably not a different way of, or there's probably a better way of testing it. He just kind of just doesn't make you think just because, oh, they say you shouldn't drink Diet Coke. Just don't go drink Diet Coke just because of whatever. He gives you like more information about whatever study. So you don't have to, but, um, he was talking about on a podcast, you know, the power of suggestion and the placebo effect and that, yeah, if you're kind of always thinking about, I guess, maybe bad or negative things that your body will kind of, kind or kind of react to it rather than just thinking about positively where, like, hey, I'm fine. You know, I'm feeling good today. You know, I'm strong. I'm, you know, and your body yeah. will react to that. But, you know, and he was just saying that it's not like you should go out there and just say, hey, I can go lift you know, boulders all day long. And I know that know I can, but there is some science to it. Just thinking like, you know, having these positive thoughts and your body's listening and that it's just not very, what is the word? Hokey, I guess. Is Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I definitely think a positive attitude and a spunky spirit definitely goes a long way and would serve you far better than someone looking at the doom and gloom from <laughs> everything. Yes. Yes. But yeah. So I was just wondering if that's, you know, if you find that, you know, being very positive, like you are, you just see it. I mean, you seems like you are, you just go down through life and you just have that great demeanor and you don't have to be that person who is just, you know, woe is me, I guess. Yeah. And you know, well, on the woe is me thing, anyone who feels like we might be describing you, 
know that you're bringing everybody else around down around you. You know, you think about that person who shows up at work every day and they got to tell you, oh, I was in traffic and ah, someone hit my car with their door and this person was that and you just spread misery, spread misery. That's a bad habit. That's trying to get the wrong kind of attention. So um, change it. Instead, come in. And even though you're grouchy because of whatever, talk about something positive that happened. It's just a it's a learned behavior. And people will like you more. People will invite you to more parties. People will be more likely to give you a raise, give you a promotion. You know, good things come to those who are putting out good stuff. And uh, yeah, I just I'm one of those people, I think, find a way. Right. So I'm not perfect at all. And boy, am I super flawed. I'm super, super imperfect. And I'm okay with that. Um, But yeah, I just, I don't understand people who give up. I don't understand people who find excuses. I'm a find a way kind of girl. And I think when you're a find a way type of person, you typically find a way. I don't know if that's luck or manifestation, or if it's just, you know, pure will where you're going to move forward and figure it out. There's a lot of us who are committed to doing that. And things tend to work out that way. Things tend to work out if you are that way. What do you think about manifestation? You believe in it? Um, you know, I mean, for lack of better word, I think so. I think you have to know what you want sure. before you, <clears throat> before you get it. Yeah. So I don't know if that's manifesting or setting your sights on something and chugga, chugga, choo, choo, mm-hmm. moving in that direction. But yeah, I believe if you want something and you're you're set out to do it, if you if you put in the work, you'll get there for the yeah. most part. Yeah, I think that's where, and I, I agree with you 100. I think that's where it kind of gets a uh, flawed perspective. Is where people will say they want to be, uh, or a person will say they want to be a rock star, but they really won't do anything to be a rock star. You know, just uh, it's one of those that you know. If I think about it, you know, the universe will serve it or something like that. So if I keep saying it'll happen, but uh, it's somewhere along the way, you have to be doing something. Yeah, yeah. like you just said, get on the train and chug, 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 a choo choo, or whatever it was. But, um, and I think, yeah, like I said, just and then when people it doesn't happen for them, they don't really understand why. And they, you know, sometimes maybe play the victim card or, yeah, it's oh, well, you know, I and they like to point fingers, I guess. So I guess that's what I was just asking, just that, yeah, yeah, just make sure that you thought that, you know, there has to be some type of work going on, you know, it just doesn't get handed to you on a silver platter, which some things do. Correct. Correct. So I was lecturing at the University of Florida today, my alma mater, and they bring me in every semester to speak to their graduating seniors. That's right. Go Gators. Go Gators. (laughs) So um, I was talking to these students about creating a career and, you know, giving them some pointers. But it's it's relatable to my fitness people as, you know, I would say, listen, tomorrow morning, get naked, go stand in front of the mirror. Mm. Everything other than your height you did that. So if you look at your body and you say, wow, you're in great shape, know that you're responsible for that. You're, you're right. a grown up at this point. You have made good choices with your eating habits and your exercise choices have been spot on. And if you look in the mirror and you're happy, you did that. If you look in the mirror and you're overweight and out of shape and there's lumps and bumps that you don't enjoy, you did that. You did that. You cannot blame your grandparents or your whatever people aren't genetically obese that's a one in a million percentile are people uncontrollably obese so you have done the work to get yourself into whatever shape you're in and so that is transferable to your career you know i told these gators today i said if you succeed well you did that and there might be people to thank along the way but you did that if you fail no, that it wasn't your gender. It's not because you're a girl or because you're this color or you're this religion. Nice. You're as a person of every race, religion, color, whatever, you name it, at the top of almost every game, every game, there's a very diverse population. So they're doing it. If you're failing and you're pointing your finger at your 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 nether regions, you know, it's not because I have a vagina. No, it's because you you weren't good enough. You didn't do the work. You didn't get the education. You didn't meet the right people. You didn't ask the right questions. You didn't show up early, stay late, be delightful. You know, there's all of these things you have responsibility for. So your body is one. Take 100% control of your health. If you, you're just going to stay out of shape forever, fine. Just that's your choosing. Don't blame anybody. Exactly. And if you're going to be successful professionally, know that's 
your choosing. If you want it bad enough, you will figure out a way to find success in whatever area that means the most to you. I hope that hits home with a bunch of people listening to this right now, just because that's something that it's, I mean, it's not easy, but it kind of is, you know, just with people like yourself and with the amount of books and podcasts and YouTube, mm-hmm. and just education, you can educate yourself very easily in today's yeah. time. If like you just said, if you look in the mirror and you're not happy with something, you want to change something, you can start somewhere. Yeah. It might take a, take a while. It might, it's not going to happen. What take the red pill and it'll happen overnight or the blue pill, whatever no. it is. But yeah, it's just like you said that perfectly there. And that was well, bad. Well, thank you. And you know what? It's, um, it's, I, I, again, we talk about cancer. My life has not just been easy. I have not gone unscathed. I have had people tell me no. Now they told me a lot, no, a lot more often when I was at the beginning of my career. Sure. Now I don't get a lot of no's. Um, but yeah, I, I would never play the woman card. I mean, I'm a damn good professional. I'm a killer race announcer. I, you know, my skills, my commitment to these athletes is surpassed by very few, if any, it has nothing to do with my lady parts. And if anyone's ever tried to hold me back, it's not been men going, oh, we don't want a girl on our team. It's been other women trying to stab me in the back. And so, you know, don't, don't play your victim card of any sort, just go on and be victorious because you can do it. And I truly believe that we can all win. You know, there is success just waiting for every last one of us. We just have to figure out where we want to be successful and and do what it takes to make that happen. Cool. And I want to switch yeah. gears just for a minute. I know we're getting kind of short on time, but I just wanted to talk about fitness real quick and when did that yeah. start? And just so everyone kind of knows all about that. Yeah. So fitness, I incorporated at 20. I think I had a friend I was who was an attorney and he said, you need to incorporate your business. What do you want to call it? Like, well, I'm a fitness professional named Fitz, so it's got to be fitness. So I, I got that up. trademarked real fast. And uh, yeah, my name is on the business, but fitness is really just about you. Is uh, what can we do to help you live better and longer? And uh, I don't go, I don't support diets, pills, powders, weight loss supplements, and shakes and crap. And it's about watching what you put in your mouth and no. exercising often and getting sleep and removing the cranky people. Um, so my fitness.com is jam packed with tons of free resources for everybody. So if you go to fitness.com, uh, snoop around, there's free videos, free recipes, free articles. All my books are on so- sale there. Uh, every book sold at fitness.com gets signed and it gets sent with a free gift and it gets sent in a pretty package. Um, I have online courses and I don't know, tons of podcasts and interviews and news clips and blah, 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 fitness. I could blah, blah, blah you for the rest of your life. And there would still be more content. So just to clarify, are you working with people one-on-one or is this? No. Okay. No, I don't do any individual coaching. Everything I do is meant for a mass audience. I'm with you now. Yeah. Cool. Did you design it that way just because you thought you would help more people that way or? Yeah. You know what? My first um, job on TV, I was about 20 and I had been teaching classes actually at UF in their student rec center, which I loved doing, loved it. And uh, once I started hosting this TV show, Cardio Jam, strangers started approaching. And that was really impactful when a stranger never met before would say, are you fits? Yeah. I love your show. I do it every day. I've lost 17 pounds. Nice. I love your show. I have no more back pain. And so I really was moved by being able to connect with people I had never met before. And I thought, well, if I continue working in mass media, what, how many people can I help? And that's really what I'm out for. I'm out for mass impact. So, so I don't do the personal stuff or the small group stuff. I do, uh, again, corporations can hire me and sometimes they'll give me an executive leadership, 20 people to talk to, but that's usually the smallest thing I do. Yeah. I I like that approach just because you know, like I told you earlier in the podcast, I'm one of those CrossFit guys, and we basically teach group classes. And I don't like the – I have done the one-on-one stuff, but I don't – it's not for me. It's just not my style. So when we teach group classes, I feel like I am getting more of myself out there, I guess, or the coaching, or I don't know. It feels better that I'm helping, you know, 10 versus one person, I guess. But I, I think those numbers matter. And there's definitely – I mean, someone's got to be doing the personal training, right? But yeah, – there's so many fitness professionals, right? I think there's clients for everybody. Exactly. So, 
Well, cool. We can take it home right there on that. But uh, I know you've already kind of plugged some of yourself. Yeah. But if you want people to find you or just anything you want to plug in general or whatever. Yeah. So visit me at fitness.com. That's F-I-T-Z-N-E-S-S.com. And then I'm at fitness on all socials, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn. And what I prefer is, uh, you know, if you follow, I promise quality content in return. But what I would prefer is that you tell me you heard me on Chris's podcast and you'd like to say hello because it would be way cooler to have friends than just followers. Yes. Well, cool. Well, Fitz, thanks for being here. Um, any last messages you want to give out or anybody that you think they need to know something? Or No, you're spectacular, Chris, and I love your bald head. Thank you. Thank you. I've been, oh, my gosh. It's awesome. It's so gorgeous. Man, I, uh, I've been working on it for the last, how old am I, 36, so like 12 years. So I love it. Very manly. So yeah. Thank you. thank you so much. But um, you made my night. <laughs> so, But anything, Um, well, thanks again, and you're a badass, and thanks for being here. Thank you. Okay, see you, folks. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park